Grab a seat. Grateful to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us, especially if it's your first time. Uh, maybe your first time in a long time. Maybe you're watching online. Great to have you as well. Thanks for taking some time out of your weekend to be with us. Even if you're not fully awake, we are glad that you are here. Uh, but can we just thank Jackson and Cece, even when he thinks he's messing up. He does such a great job. We are so spoiled to have those two. They were up leading worship all weekend for our, our college ministry. They're wrangling kids this morning, and here they are still just helping lead us so well to the throne. So we're, we're so grateful for them. I meant to brag on him last week as well. He led us in the new Phil Wickham song. That song had just been released on Friday, and he was already singing it for us here on Sunday. So that's pretty incredible that, we, uh, that we're that cool and hip around here, man. As you can tell from the announcement video, we've got a lot going on. We hit the ground running in 2023, uh, so make sure you follow us online. Uh, grab one of the bulletins out in the foyer there. Great class options going on right now. Fab 13, youth gathering happening right now, so a lot of great things are going on. Uh, we don't want just Sunday mornings to be the time and space where you connect to God, but we want every day to be a, a time and a space where you experience His goodness uh, encounter his people, are just blessed and filled you know, by the Lord's presence and by his spirit. So uh, hopefully you're finding ways to do just that. But speaking of Sunday mornings, when we're together uh, right now, we're going through a little series called Simply Seven. Simply Seven. Uh, the goal of this series is to keep things simple, to keep the life-giving and the life-transforming message of the Bible as simple as possible. So simple, in fact, that you can say it in seven words. We believe that you can describe the entire biblical narrative in, in seven words. And so when you're able to see how simple it is, you can more fully live it out. You'll hopefully uh, be more easily able to share it with others. And then, of course, you'll also be able to experience the fullness of it yourself. So we're excited about that. We don't want you to be baffled by the Bible. And so these seven words hopefully will help um, combat the complexity sometimes that can creep into our faith. Uh, if you've missed any of those words, go back and listen to those messages. We're on word six this morning, so we're almost done with the series. Uh, but the other five are all of equal importance, and so go back and find those messages online on our podcast as well. Uh, we think that the series kind of builds on itself, and it'll make, make more sense when you hear them all together. But this morning, I'm excited to share with you uh, the sixth word in the series, because our God doesn't just create. He doesn't just free captives. He doesn't just cleanse our conscience, but he also calls and commissions. That's what we're going to talk about together uh, this morning. So let me jump into it. Based on my incredible physique, it is probably super obvious to you that I grew up playing football. Um, actually, based on my physique, many believe I grew up playing chess uh, or was a long-distance runner. Just something about this body type. No offense to chess players or long-distance runners. Love you guys. But I can remember my first day of youth league football as if it were yesterday. I was in the sixth grade... And I had very high hopes that my destiny was going to be set and discovered on that day. I was hoping that the pro scouts were going to be out there on that little park in Albuquerque, that my coach would see my greatness, that it would propel me into this glorious career on the gridiron, and that maybe today I would be announcing a retirement after 20-some-odd years in the NFL, much like Tom Brady, right? This was my hope. But turns out that skinny white guys break very easily. And turns out my coaches didn't know a dang thing about the game of football. Let me explain to you how this first day of practice went. I kid you not, the very first day of practice, we're all huddled up, and the coaches started to raffle off the different positions. 
Uh, we need a running back. Anybody want to be running back? First kid raises his hand. Great, you. He was the largest, slowest kid on the team. That was super awkward. Uh, we need a linebacker. Anybody else want to volunteer? This is how it went for every single position. No skill required. Then we get to the all-important position of quarterback, captain of the team, right? The field general. And since I didn't have much experience, and by much I don't mean any, I didn't raise my hand. I kept my mouth shut. But behind me, I heard one of the coaches saying this, Chris, Chris, raise your hand. Raise your hand, Chris. Well, my name wasn't Chris and still isn't, by the way. So I didn't pay much attention. A few minutes later, Chris, raise your hand. Chris, raise your hand. So I turn around to see why in the world Chris isn't responding, only to see the coach staring directly at who? Me. I pull one of those, you looking at me, kind of dumbfounded faces, right? I say, coach, coach, my name isn't Chris. He says, I don't care what your name is, boy, raise your hand. We need a quarterback. <laughs> and that is how my illustrious football career began and ended all in the same afternoon. But what happened to me that day on the field can happen more often than not to people in their faith. Far too many Christians, they don't hear, they don't respond to, or worse yet, they miss out on the calling that God has for their life. And that's our sixth word in the series, calling. Let me go through the other five with you real fast so that we're all on the same page this morning. Right, the scripture begins with these words, that in the beginning everything was blank and void. We've been using this canvas as a description of that. The Bible says it was tohu vabohu, there was nothing to it. And the only way that you get something out of nothing is not by accident, not by the mutation of random cells. It's by a creator. You need a creator to make something beautiful on the canvas. And that's what our God did, Genesis 1 and 2. It's a beautiful creation. It's a good creation. But after God does what he does, humanity comes in and we do what we do. And we messed it up. And so we depicted that with this other canvas. It's all kind of spray painted and, and, and wrecked, if you will. Sin comes in and wrecks things. It destroys things. It rips apart the good things that God has made. And we're all victims to the curse. We all play a part in this curse. And the problem with the curse is that we can't escape. Remember that week we tried to rub everything off on our own? Through good works, giving of money, being a nice guy. Well, nothing works. We are captive to the curse. That was our third word. But in the middle of our captivity, God makes a covenant, this promise, that he's not just going to throw this thing away, because he probably could and he probably should. But he's not just going to throw it away and be done with it. He makes this covenant, this commitment to it, if you will, that he's going to fix it. He's going to redeem it. He's going to repair it all. And last week, we learned that Christ is how he does just that. The perfect life of Christ the eternal immortal blood of Christ. It's Jesus who takes this canvas and makes it as good as new all over again. I should have actually asked a professional artist to paint something beautiful on here because that's what Jesus does. He makes it better than it even was before. It's not just blank, but it's better than ever. And now we get to our calling. Like those coaches that I had back in the sixth grade, God calls and invites every single one of us to do things and to be a part of things that we wouldn't have otherwise volunteered to be a part of. And luckily for us, when God calls and commissions us, he knows our name. That's a nice thing to know about our God. Hey, Chris, stand up. No, no, he calls us by name because he knows us by name. We see this throughout the biblical narrative. Adam, 
by name. Adam, I want you to watch over and to rule over the earth. Abram, I want you by name to walk out into your destiny. Noah, I want you by name to help build a boat to save humanity. Moses, I want you by name to lead my people out of captivity. Peter, I want you by name to come out onto the water. God calls us by name to do great things and to bring glory to his name. That's now where the series goes. But truth be told, I think that a lot of us, we miss out on our calling. We assume that God isn't talking to us or that he's got the wrong person in mind or, or he's talking to Chris when my name is Thomas. No, 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 he's talking to you. He's talking to you. There's this great story in Mark chapter 10 about a blind man who is so desperate and he hears that Jesus will be passing by on the very street that he's been begging for uh, or begging on for years. And so in this moment, he's like, I'm just going to cry out for Jesus. i got nothing to lose. And so he starts to just scream out the name of Jesus. And we read this in Mark 10, 48. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood there and he said, call him here. They called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. I love that line so much. Take heart, get up, get going. Why? Because Jesus is calling you. What was true for that man is true for every follower of Jesus. Take heart. Be courageous. Get going. Why? Because God is calling you. Jesus is calling you. And if you don't believe me, if you think I'm stretching that story, Ephesians 4.1 says it as clear as day. Therefore, I, Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of what? Your calling. Why? For you have been called by God. You've been called by God. Now, Paul wasn't just talking to the Christians at Ephesus. He was talking to Christians everywhere. This is the calling now. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We have been called of all the people in the world to be radically different from the world to help change the world. Chris, stand up. We need a quarterback. Chris, raise your hand. We need a quarterback. Now, the word calling is kind of a buzzword right now, right? It's a little overused, I think, a little overcooked, maybe misunderstood a little bit. This is especially true out at Pepperdine. Over the course of my seven years as campus minister at Pepperdine, I heard the same questions again and again and again. I was talking to David a little bit this morning. After 35 years in youth ministry, he has had the same dynamic happen to him. Same questions, different generation, right? Different year, but it's the same question. Here are the top three questions I was always asked as a campus minister. Number one, where can I get free food? I mean, that is a big question. Is it not? Like, if you can answer that question, everything else falls into place. Question number two, how do I know if the person I'm dating is the one? Important question. Not as important as free food, but a close second, right? But question number three, and this was actually the one we were asked more often than not, what is my calling? What is my calling? Students ask that question all the time, and it makes sense given their life stage, right? They are determining kind of the trajectory of where their life is going to go, where, where they're going to head, and so they're asking about their calling. But for a lot of students, calling is the same as career. And so when you're wrestling with your calling, you're kind of asking, what major should I choose 
so that I can have a certain job later in life? And, and does God have a preference for me in this process? Is there a major that will position me better in a career that will make the Lord more or less proud of me? That's what they meant by calling. So am I called to be a doctor? Am I called to be a teacher? Am I called to be a professional quarterback in the NFL? We know the answer to that question. No. Career is a huge part of our calling, but it's not the entirety of it. When it comes to our calling, we need to think much bigger than our career. Because truth be told, you can live out your calling in any number of careers. You see, God not only speaks things into being, he speaks people into becoming. Let me say that again because it's kind of weird language. He not only speaks things into being, that was true when everything was tohu vabohu, and then God said, Genesis 1, and there was. So he speaks things into being. But when you give your life to Jesus, he speaks you as a person into becoming. I love that Nick is leading a series right now on Wednesday nights in our college ministry called The Becoming. When he first told me that word, I thought it was like this creepy horror flick, The Becoming. Where it's like, they're coming for you, be prepared. I don't think that's what he had in mind. He actually had this in mind, that God is helping you to become who he wants you to become who he originally had in mind when he created you. You are becoming what you were made to be. That's what the idea here is in, in this calling. And so most of the New Testament, the last third of this book, if you will, is all about what happens after you give your life to Jesus, the calling that is now on your life as a follower of Jesus. I'm going to say it this way. Once you've been cleansed by the blood of Christ, God calls you to become more and more like Christ so you can be an influencer in this world for Christ. Let me say that one more time. Once you've been cleansed by the blood of Christ, God calls you to become more and more like Christ so you can be an influencer in this world for Christ. If you're going to tune out and kind of check your social media feed right now, like go ahead, that's the sermon. That's all I got. That's it. This is the heart of it. The heart of our sixth word is that you have been cleansed and now you've been called. When we hear the word influencer, though, in today's day and age, who do we immediately think about? Influencer? We think about famous people, right, on social media. Those who have tons and tons of followers. So I, I went on this little rabbit trail this past week, and so I'm going to bring you on that trail with me. All right? Top five social influencers right now, based on just social media followers. Any guesses as to who's on the list? Number five. da 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 Kylie Jenner. Anybody follow Kylie? Not going to admit to it. Okay, cool. 450 million people follow her. All right, number four. Da -da -da -da. The Biebs. Justin Bieber. Anybody want to admit? A few of us. Tristan is the only one in this entire. Okay, a couple other guys. All right, good, good. Okay. 477 million followers. Number three. Selena Gomez. Who follows her? Wow, we got to get out more, Las Cruces. We've got to see what's going on in this world. 499 million followers. Number two, Lionel Messi, the Argentinian soccer player. And number one, drum roll, number one social influencer is David Harrelson, our very own. I mean, is this incredible or what? You can't even count the number of followers he has. It's crazy. 
All right, the real number one, sorry, it's not David, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, another soccer player. 787 million followers. Can you even believe that? This is how our world defines influencer, right? You push a bunch of, a bunch of products or you have a huge platform where you can influence tons of different people. That's what it means to be an influencer. But that's not, that's not true in God's economy, in the kingdom of God. Being an influencer isn't about the promotion of products or having a huge platform. It's about blessing people, serving people, helping people. However few or however many God puts in your path. When it comes to being an influencer, I can't help but think of the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 13 to 16. We talked a little bit about it at AFC this week, but I want, I want to dive into it a little bit deeper. Jesus says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. Verse 14, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, at first glance, the comparison Jesus makes here, the analogy that he makes here, it's not very exciting. It's not very motivating. You know, it's like the big game, the big pregame speech. Okay, Christians, go out there and, and, and you be this in the world. Yeah, it was the same reaction they probably had, right? Like, really? That's it? That's all you got for me? Like, come on, coach, you can do a little bit better than that, can't you? Salt? Really? Salt? Salt doesn't seem all that exciting or all that influential. But maybe it is. You see, back in the first century, this stuff was actually more valuable than gold. In fact, there are accounts of soldiers asking to be paid in salt over being paid in gold. So to do the church a favor and save us some money this year, I'm going to pay the rest of the staff in salt this year. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'll still be paid in dollars because I prefer that. But, okay, we're not going to do that. But back then it was super, super valuable, so critically important. And here's why. Because it influenced things. Salt was so influential. First of all, in a world where there wasn't any neosporin, any first aid ointment, salt was a healing agent. You use salt to clean and to cleanse things in a way that nothing else could. Secondly, in a world where there's no refrigerators or ice or freezers, salt preserved things. It helped things like meat and, and produce to, to stay fresh much longer. And then finally, in a world where the food was rather bland and boring, salt was a delicious additive. It helped bring out the flavor of things and add a little spice to life, if you will. So I want you to think about this here in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is telling his followers, you are so influential. Here's some modern day comparisons. You, church, you, Christian, you are like the, the, the first aid kit in this world. That's who you are. You help heal broken things. You help you know, bandage folks, spiritually speaking, relationally speaking, when they're broken and hurting. And all the nurses in here were like, amen, I have the right calling, right? You are the first aid kit, Christian, in this world. The second thing you might say is, you are the, the freezer bags of this world. Not super exciting, but that's all I could think of this week. The freezer bags, right? You, you cover things. You protect things. 
You keep things good. You don't let decay come in. You're the freezer bag. And finally, this one should really excite you. You are the red and green chili of this world. Amen? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We got one. Okay. You go and you bring out the flavor. You take what's bland and boring and blah, and you make it great. Jesus said, you are such a huge influencer. When you combine what he said here about salt with what he said with light, what does light do when you flip the light switch on in a dark room? It influences everything. It touches everything. You are called to be an influencer. This is your calling. You are called to change the spirit, the culture, the energy, the vibe, the ethos of every situation. You're called to change the spirit, the culture, the vibe, the energy, the ethos of the company that you work for. You're called to change the spirit, the culture, the energy, the vibe, the ethos of the home that you live in. Are you following me? You influence everyone and every moment that you step into. Why? Because you've been cleansed. You are no longer like this. You are now like this. Washed by the blood. And now you are called to be an influencer to bring hope and healing and help and health to every other area in this world. Jesus was calling us to take this canvas that has now been cleansed and to make something beautiful with it. And you don't have to be an artist. Many of you would not be a self-proclaimed artist. You don't have to be an artist to do this. You just have to be you. You have to be connected to the Father. You have to be filled with the Spirit. You be you, and you will make something beautiful. on it. You will help redeem and restore the goodness to this earth. The problem, though, is that most of us default back to this. And so we live our life, and we just kind of fall back into these old patterns, these old tendencies. Yes, I've been washed by the blood. Yes, I'm a new creation, but I'm still looking at porn every night. But I'm still struggling with alcohol. I'm still buying every single thing that pops up on Amazon. I'm still really mean and aggressive towards those who disagree with me. I'm still really prideful and arrogant, demanding my way. And what we're doing is we're just trying to bring the curse back onto the canvas. This is not your call. The world has enough of this, doesn't it? The world doesn't need more of this. The world needs more of the beauty of the Lord, the goodness of God. That's what the world needs, and that's, that's what we've been called to do. I love this verse in, in 1 Corinthians 6. I'm going to read it for you. I'm reading it out of the message translation. Put this right here. Follow along. It says this. Don't you realize that unjust people who don't care about God will not ever join his kingdom? Those who use and abuse each other. Those who use and abuse sex. Those who use and abuse the earth and everything in it, they don't qualify as citizens in God's kingdom. A number of you know this from experience about what I'm talking about. For not so long ago, you were on that list. Listen to this. But since then, you've been cleaned up. You've been given a fresh start by Christ, our master, our Messiah, and now God is present in you through his spirit. You were once like this, but not any longer. And now your calling is to not live like this anymore, is to live like this, to live like Jesus. I love that verse so much. And hopefully you're starting to see now that, that this calling is much bigger than just your career. Can you live out this calling as a doctor? Most certainly. Go be a super salty doctor who influences your clients and colleagues for good, who shines God's glory. But you could also be a realtor. Go be a super salty realtor. I'm using this in a biblical sense. Influence people for good and shine God's glory in that setting. But you could also be a stay-at-home mama 
be a super salty mom. Kids are like, oh, she's already got that down. (laughs) But influence your kids for good. Shine God's glory in that space. You don't have to have a huge platform to influence people for God. In fact, it's those who don't have much of an earthly platform who I think have the greatest eternal difference, who make the greatest eternal difference. A few weeks ago, my sweet wife shared with me that she felt as if she wasn't accomplishing all that much. And here's why. For the last 13 years, she has stayed at home with our kiddos. And when she sees the accomplishments, the jobs and the degrees and the programs that some of her friends are are a part of in achieving, she felt as if her last 13 years, there hadn't been much that had happened. But if you know my wife, you know that nothing could be further from the truth. She is so influential. (laughs) My three girls are the beautiful girls they are because of her influence. Countless moms are stronger and closer to Jesus because of her influence. A ton of women have been influenced by her as she pours her time into these one-day gatherings called the If Gathering. She is a huge influencer. Okay, yesterday was her birthday, so this is just a shameless plug for my wife. (laughs) But there's a lot of people like that. You assume that because you aren't this famous, important, you're not that big of a deal, that you can't be an influencer, that you're not an influencer. You assume that because you don't know enough about Jesus, or you've made a mess of life before Jesus, or even after you met Jesus, that he's not going to use you as an influencer anymore. That's not what the verse says. You are salt. You are light. Not you will become these things, or if you do X, Y, and Z and pray hard enough and memorize the Bible and read it throughout a year and give to the poor, then you'll become. No, you are. That's what you are. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, he says yes to you being salt and light. And so now it's just a matter of becoming those things, not becoming those things, stepping into who you have already become. That's what the calling is. It's the folks who are unknown who actually make Jesus known. It's the people who have the darkest history who can powerfully share God's story. It's those who have made the biggest mess that are the greatest messengers. It's those who feel like a nobody who can end up reaching everybody. See how that works? That's your calling now, to be an influencer. We have been called by God, empowered by His Spirit, to change this world, to make it beautiful again. And this can happen for everybody, even even the the youngest among us. So here in our second service, um, we invite our sixth graders to come and join us. So our kids' programming is birth through fifth grade. So the youngest among us right now is our sixth graders. And nothing against our sixth graders. I love you, sixth graders. Not going to call you on stage. Don't worry, nothing awkward. But truth be told, like, I can't stand sixth graders, okay? Like, I'm not the youth minister, and God knows exactly why. Like, for sixth graders, the bar for me is kind of like, don't act up and don't, like, stink the joint up, literally. You know what I'm talking about, parents of sixth graders, right? It's like behavior and body odor. Like, wow, sixth graders. So David, God bless him, has been dealing with sixth graders for 35 years, people. Can you believe this? 35 years. And it's also, I think, why he went bald at the age of 22. Right? There it is. 
Object lesson number five for you today. Okay. So I've got a pretty low bar for sixth graders. Guess what? God's got a very high bar for you sixth graders. God says, even as a sixth grader, you are a huge influencer. If you've been washed by the blood of Christ, you are now called to take this decay and to eradicate it. You're now called to step into the brokenness and the, and the darkness of this world and make it something beautiful. Even as a sixth grader, you can do something incredible. I want you to watch this. It was, uh, it was fifth grade, and uh, me and a few of my friends, it was cool. We got invited to go to a Bible study at a different school in the mornings. We saw the impact that it was having on that school. And then, honestly, like a few months in, we're sitting there, me and my friends, and we're like, hey, what if we did this at our school? Like, we were all just like a little nervous at first, you know, like starting something big. But we're like, all right, well, what's the first step? We're like, okay, we need a host classroom. So about seven years ago, I was teaching sixth grade math and I had six boys in my class um, come up and ask if they could use my classroom for a weekly Bible study. And I would just sit at my desk, let them do their thing. And I mean, I'm listening kind of, and these boys just to the core of themselves, every ounce of their body was their faith. And like, for me, that was like, oh my gosh, these are sixth grade boys. That's not the norm. And listening to these boys just talk about it, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's, I want that. Like, I want that in my life. Sometimes she like went out and like did like recess duty or whatever, so she wouldn't be in there. But then there was like one morning and she actually like joined in on our conversation. And I remember we had a discussion question um, and we all went around the table answering it. And then uh, Miss Phillips jumped in and answered it for herself. And we're like, hey, that was really cool. And then we, you know, had a little discussion with her. I was lost um, when these boys came into my life. I was not in a good place. I was depressed. I was lonely. I was searching for these boys to just, their faith to influence and just to show me that amazingness of God. I guess I didn't even know that it was missing. And so then to see those boys, I saw what I was missing out on. The day was so cool. I remember one moment, the four of us that started it, she pulled us out of our classrooms during the day and she was like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that you guys have inspired me and impacted my life that like your faith that you've shown in this classroom has really moved me and influenced me um, that I actually decided like go all in with Jesus and get baptized at my church. And just hearing her say those words shocked all of us. And we were like, whoa, like God is so good. Like we would have never imagined something like that would happen. And we were all very joyful and we were just super happy for her. Who would have thought four boys in a sixth grade classroom could change an adult's life? I can just imagine like how lost I would have been. Now, I mean, you can feel lost for a moment, <laughs> but you also know who's right next to you going through it. 
I still talk to some of them or even talk to their parents. And I, anytime they talk about them, I, I tell them, oh my gosh, I tell them I love them and just, they changed my life. So looking back, I learned about the power of influence. And honestly, at the time, like me and my buddy's goal, like our main goal wasn't to, you know, influence the teachers and the students. Like we just wanted to grow a Bible study and share the love of Jesus. But the biggest thing at that time is we just remained faithful and we were just obedient. When we felt a calling on our heart, we were ready to act. And I mean, we were just like, we were just middle schoolers. Like we didn't have a whole lot of uh, influence or social status, you know. We definitely weren't perfect in any means. You know, we'd always forget to do the laundry, do the dishes at home, right? Um, But we were faithful and we were obedient. And seeing what God did with that is something that he can do in everyone's life, right? When you feel a calling on your heart and you're faithful and obedient and you walk in his steps, just watch and see the amazing things that God's gonna do in your life because it's extremely powerful. Let's go. Don't you love that? If sixth grade boys can help a teacher who felt like she was trapped in this, if sixth grade boys could do that, what could we all do? The world doesn't need more of this. And our calling is actually to influence this for good, is it not? It's to change this through the power of the Holy Spirit to be an influencer. So uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions as we end. They are in the bulletin. If you didn't grab a bulletin, do so on your way out. A couple of questions you can reflect on in your small group if you're part of one. Uh, If not, just kind of spend some time this week at a lunch break or maybe early in the morning or later at night when the kiddos go to bed. Spend some time kind of thinking through these questions to help kind of drill this message home. You are an influencer for Jesus. That's just who you are. So ask yourself these three questions. How are you healing things in the same way that salt would heal things? How are you preserving and protecting things like salt would? And how are you improving things? making them better, more flavorful, just like salt would. And I want you to think about those three things, healing, preserving, and adding flavor in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, and in this church. Because you're an influencer. You're a great influencer. And I think when God in heaven has this list of the top influencers in the world, each and every one of us is number one. You are the greatest influencer in the sphere of influence that God has placed you in. And so I pray that you'll take full advantage of it. Let me pray that over you now. God, we are so grateful for this high calling that we have received, that we now aren't just kind of cleaned up, that our conscience cleared, God, our souls made new, our life refreshed and, 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 and resurrected from the dead. God, we're, it's not just about us, but now this, this great thing that we've experienced in Christ, now we are called to go and share that. We are called to now go live that out in this world. And I just pray for those, God, in this room who feel as if the canvas is still black and gray and gross and and wrecked. Would you come in and do a, a supernatural cleansing in their heart right now? Would you know that they are white as snow? The scripture says, though our sin was like crimson stain, you have made us new. And so the stain is no longer on us, God. The curse is no longer on us. Would we now live this high calling of being influencers, agents of change and blessing and reconciliation in this world? Would we be like those little sixth graders that we would take advantage of every moment and every opportunity, whether at school or at work or at home, on the street, God, wherever we find ourselves, would we just live for Jesus 
Would we be so in love with him and so thankful for what he has done that he took this canvas that was worth nothing and, and totally trashed and he made it something beautiful? Would we be just share that with others? Because whether we realize it or not, Father, there are so many people in our world every single day who feel just like that teacher did. Alone, lost, depressed, unsure of where she's going, God, or why she's here. And we are the salt that are to be poured out into her life. We are the light that is there to illuminate her spirit. And so help us to all live out that high calling now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to end our time together by going to the table. Communion is... Uh, what we call this last few minutes together where we come to the table either in the front or in the back. Everyone is welcome. The Lord invites everybody to his table. And our prayer this morning is just a simple, Jesus, would you fill me up with you so that I can be more like you when I leave this place. Let's go to the table now together. As family, friends, by yourself, if you need a pastor or a minister, we'll be up front. But let's go to the table now and ask Jesus to change us so we can change the world.